Hey everyone and welcome to the 20 Minute Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening and I hope you are having a great day. For anyone that's new to the show, my name is Liam from Reach Interactive and on this show I chat to both in-house and agency marketers on topics such as SEO, content, socials, PPC and more. Today's episode is actually the second episode of the 20 Minute Marketing Electric House collaboration. So I spoke with Abby Swindell who is head of social at Electric House last week on the show And we covered everything about social media, really. So we covered things like building a community, increasing engagement, and how to make a lasting impact. We also covered things like TikTok and Reels as well. And Abby shared lots of great insights. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, then feel free to check it out. This week, I'm going to be speaking with the CEO of Electric House, Lee Wilcox. So we'll get started and introduce Lee now. So hi, Lee. How's it going? Yeah, good. Thank you, Liam. Cheers for having me on, mate. Not a problem. I'm really looking forward to it. Abby already gave us an introduction on where Electric House is now in terms of your communities, so we'll skip that part this week and dive right in. So we already know a little bit about Electric House from last week's episode. I think it'd be cool to start this episode by you sharing uh, the story of how you've gotten to where you are now, Lee. Yeah, brilliant. I, I don't like following Abby. She's becoming one of the best uh, best speakers in the company. She, she, she's gone from not doing podcasts and events to doing loads of them, um, <laughs> uh, which is great. So, uh, I mean, the story is, to be honest, mate, is that we were just drunk. So uh, myself and Adam, old school best friend, growing up with each other, went on holidays and uh, family holidays with each other, etc. And this was back in August 2014. And Adam is in the trade, has been for about 12 years at this point, and it's a Friday night, we're in my garden and we're getting drunk and he's moaning about the fact he can't find a plasterer on a job. So we came up with this idea just to create a app that would allow people within the construction industry, particularly within the B2B sector, so contractor to subcontractor and vice versa, to connect. And that was it really. We were broke, we were both in loads of debt. I was living back at my mom and dad's house and yeah, we, we, you know, we came up with this idea the next morning. Ad, we just got really drunk. Ad rang me the next morning and said, you know, we're going to do this idea and came up with a name, spec'd it, spent some money across like three credit cards that we had between us and put it on Elance and then had a, a company trying to build this app. And we just thought, well, if we can get 100,000 builders in one spot within the next 12 months, we'll launch the app, they'll download it, and then we'll be rich. Like That was the business model. That was as in-depth as it went. But a couple of weeks in, we realized that we just, you know, we had no budget for marketing whatsoever. And Ad came up with the idea of, uh, of starting a Facebook page. It was at the, the realms of time when La Bible had just hit about a million, one and a half million, like short viral clips were really working well and, and sort of popping through Facebook in particular. And we went down that strategy. Ad said he had loads of videos. He, he didn't. He had about four. We then had to sort of scour YouTube, I guess, for, for a couple of weeks. And then after that, people just started sending content in. And after two weeks, we had 10,000 followers on the page. And after three months, we had 250,000. I remember a time through that sort of first 12 months, it, it was growing at like 40,000 a week. We just landed on something, a group of people that were in a, a niche, I guess, within within industry, if you talk about it like that. But, you know, a pretty big one. And they didn't really have an online presence anywhere as a, as a community. And we just sort of landed on that. and then. 
over time, we got the app back the first time round, and it didn't work, and we've been ripped off. So then we built it again in, in this country with, with a, an agency. And then by the time we got it back, it was, we were sort of two and a half years into this business that we didn't know what we were doing. We, you know, we were creating content on a daily basis, and we'd started to work with brands, and uh, we'd done an online store, and we're sending loads of merchandise to the community on, on the tools branded clothing and we realized actually the idea for the app was a bit of a crap idea now and so it just went into the into the app graveyard and never seen the light of day and, and I guess over time then we just realized that the, the community and the content we were creating with that community and for that community was was more powerful than the original idea we have for the business. It's very interesting that you also started out with the idea of an app and then quickly realized that the socials were smashing it so you switched your focus. The first bit of money we made was through the online store and we We'd had a few people message the page and, and some of the channels asking for on the tools hoodies and mugs and things like that. And we were like, I wonder whether we could, you know, just make a bit of dough doing this. You know, people are asking for it. We should try and do it. So we, we asked the community for some sort of like funny slogans on, of, of certain trades. So we said, you know, there's always like sayings and things like that that, that people have on site, different trades. And so I think we went down like the route of sort of like main core trades, like electricians and carpenter and ground worker etc and we just went through the thread picked the ones with the, the funniest ones with the most likes in the comments and then we created a shop within like two days on top of i'd spent uh, a couple of days working out what to do made some really like crappy awful designs and then we put the shop live and we did 800 pounds worth of sales in the in the first week so i quit my job went in quit my job i was like i've done it made it we're going to be rich and everyone thought i'd lost my mind I mean, mom and dad were all, have always been supportive of, of everything. So they, they just knew how involved I was. But I certainly had friends being like, what are you doing? Like, you've sold a few T-shirts and you've just quit your job. But I just knew then at that point that the community, we could convert, you know, there was something there. We had a community that we could, that we could monetize ultimately and, and that would take action, you know, based on what we were doing. And, and we did 15 grand's worth of sales that first month and about 300 grand's worth of sales in the first year. And it, and, and it was, I guess, a stepping stone into becoming this media business. You know, the first orders we sent out, I sent them out in black bean liners. Uh, I remember me and my mum like packing them up in the living room because we didn't know what, we didn't expect anyone to buy anything. So we just wasn't prepared for any of it. You know, and within a couple of months, we'd got an office and we'd bought printers to start doing it in-house so we could look at the margin better. And yeah, we, we were an e-com business at that point for probably like 18 months, really. That was our only revenue. Yeah, I love that you saw the e-commerce opportunity and just grabbed it. I think a lot of people have great ideas and when they turn them into a business, they can often be hesitant to pivot or move in a different direction if needed because they're still struck on the original thing and, and concept. I think sometimes it, you can concentrate too much on making money, right? So we had a good, what we thought was a good idea, right, in, in the app. And then even though we didn't launch the app, we spent two and a half years building a community for that app. And it, it wasn't about making money. It was about building the community because the end game was that we were like, well, we know that we're going to launch a product to this industry and therefore to this community. And that was our biggest focus. And I think, you know, probably six to nine months in, we, we looked at the business and we was looking at the content. And like I said earlier, there was Lab Bible and Unilad and Viral Thread at the time, sort of VT now, uh, Jungle Creations, who were growing at like ridiculous rates, real broad, like viral type content. I remember having the meeting and, and, and discussing with the guys and be like, we should, you know, should we broaden out what we're doing? You know, should we have a sports section of on the tools? You know, it's the same demo. And, and in the end we were like, well, we still got the app, you know, we're still going to launch the app and, and that's important. We don't want wastage. We don't want people who aren't in the industry following the page necessarily because that's not going to benefit us. And then, and then, you know, we didn't launch that app and, but 
staying true to the community in the content we created and, and the purpose of it in, in connecting construction, which is the, is the mission of the company. When things changed on social in 2018, where algorithms uh, um, changed through the feed and a lot of the bigger publishers really got hit because Facebook were making sure that your feed was personalized to what interested you rather than just based on how many pages you followed. We didn't get hit. Our, our figures and engagement and views only went up and it's because we had a hyper-engaged community so i think that you know really staying true to what the, the brand was and who the community were and not sort of chasing big numbers really helped shape the community now and, and i guess more of the business model we have now within electric house and and the definitely the value that we put on our community and and not being afraid if it's niche and, and really focusing on what people need within that it's also interesting that you mentioned a few brands in your answer there have you started to see a switch in a way that media is distributed and consumed? I know that on a personal level that I now consume a lot of content from new wave brands and communities. Over here we have brands like Lad Bible, Unilad, On The Tools, etc. And then also globally there are brands like Barstool Sports, Hype Beast and Complex that are really taking a lot of the market share. Yeah, I think we definitely have. And I think, you know, I remember the first 18 months of and maybe even two years really of operating on as, as just on the tools as the business. And, and, and we were going out to brands and, you know, we'd get the door shut in our face a lot because people didn't really understand social and the power of the distribution. And then you look at the, the niche we were in there and you, you lay that into construction, which construction sort of tends to take longer to bolt onto trends and, and it's getting better, but it's always a little bit behind. Whereas more broadly across consumer and it was really starting to take shape. And But, but the reflection then in terms of where people were putting their, their spend across print or radio, and uh, particularly radio and TV, still haven't come across the social. So you still had like, you know, the likes of Lab Bible and, and BT, et cetera, who we mentioned earlier, but a lot of their money was being made from programmatic. And yeah, they were doing brand deals, but it wasn't like they were doing um, huge amounts. They were doing enough. And when they did do them, they were big because of the following they had. And I think now what happens when agencies get media spend and brands are looking at how they can activate campaigns that they've got, they don't just look through one channel. Because if you ignore social when you're doing any kind of marketing campaign now, whether it be through video or whether it just be copy or, or image, how are you doing it? And no matter what it's for, whether it's for a service or product launch and whether if it is, you know, it's more over the top or out of home, you've still got to link social back into it. And I think most brands now are starting to realize that, that you, you can't just activate a campaign in one spot. And, and often the best blends that, that brands get is where they activate something out of home with social. And, and you, you almost get people posting about the out of home advertising across social, but it's done UGC, it's done by the public. And then, you know, that message then gets spread so well. Same with like things like, like KFC do it really well, where they'll, they'll do certain things when they're launching certain, certain um, new things on, on their menu, but they'll do it through social and they'll, or they'll do it through Twitter or they'll do an out of home thing. But actually the virality, the virality of that campaign ends up, driving through social because people pick it up and go look how cool this is look what KFC did or similar to what Greg's did with the whole Christmas shopping window where they did the Christmas lights turned on and then Greg's had put their logo on backwards so that when the lights came on on the uh, Christmas lights on the shot on the shop window you could just see Greg's 
you know, lit up. And I think now actually in, in person, how many people watched that? How many people saw that, you know, actually there barely, you know, a thousand max, but millions of people seeing it through social because that's where it was activated. I think that's the power. That's the real power of being able to link your different marketing activities together. Uh, and I think that's why distribution has become so important through social. So important. Obviously, On The Tools has been a huge success and has allowed you to transition into the big social media publishing company that is Electric House. So how have you dealt with that increase in size and expectation while also ensuring that you keep the same level of quality and creativity that made On The Tools work really well? Yes, it's been a really interesting growth path, I guess, for for the business. You know, we had a bit of an identity crisis, if I'm honest, with, with On The Tools, and that was that was the trigger really to start thinking more broadly, but not as on the tools. We, we used to go to a lot of like trade shows, things like that. Cause there's loads of them in construction, loads of clients there, et cetera. It's always good to sort of walk around them. And, and Andy went to one and he gave his business card to somebody who was on one of the uh, stands and the, and the guy took it and then walked to the back of the stand to grab a colleague. And they both came back and were laughing and said, we cannot believe that on the tools has got a commercial director. We just thought it was like, a couple of builders, uh, you know, in the pants or whatever. And Andy came back and told us, and at this point, there's about 25 people that are working for the business. And we were like, what are we doing wrong? Like how, you know, it's not like these are brands who aren't in construction. You know, it wasn't KFC or, you know, someone who, who really at that stage, why would they know who we are? We're very specific, very niche. These were like brands within construction. It was their purpose. It was their, you know, we had a community of their people. And then... They knew who we were, but they didn't know what we did really. And um, forward facing, we were a, a community for the construction industry and, and for tradespeople, and, and that's what we wanted. And, and the bonus about that, I guess, was the authenticity of, of the community because Adam was really driving that arm forward. We, we knew that we couldn't go wrong. He was our target audience and had been all of his working career. And, but we knew that behind the scenes, we had a real problem in terms of describing from a b2b perspective what we could do and who we were and the size of the team and you know what we were doing so we started to then think more broadly about well look do we want more communities what are we trying to do you know and then we then we acquired on a budget so then it became even harder so on a budget is the opposite of on the tools it's nearly three and a half million women now in the uk that share ideas and save money in the home across gardening and diy and crafts and cooking and parenting and so these stick those two together and we're still from a b2b perspective when we're trying to talk to clients we're still going out as on the tools and then we're having to explain oh no but we've got on a budget as well and uh, we've also got this like really behind the scenes we're, we're a bit of an agency but we're not really because we're a publisher and we were like we've got to resolve this and that's where electric house came in and electric house is actually the name of our first our first crummy office that we had it was the name of the building and it took us about two months to come up with this name we were we did the rebrand with a creative agency, a design agency, and they were coming up with names. We were like, no, they're not quite right. They don't really, you know, they're not linked with us. We're just making words up. We nearly called it monkey tennis. We're just running out of names. And then I wrote a load of names down and we and we were going to choose between Electric Pig, which was a, a nod to building Electric House, and then The Pig, which was a pub that we used to drink in, uh, or Electric House. And Adam was adamant on Electric House. And I think he was dead right. We still got a nod to The Pig. We've, we've actually, we've, built a bar in the office and we've called that the pig so we're all about trying to tell a story i guess and link things back to to us you know and and then really as a business model and how we sort of then try to broaden that out is that we just everything's focused along communities and we knew that we would have more opportunity because we live on social you know i think there's a lot of agencies out there who do great jobs with clients and have done for years and years and years but 
they are middlemen, you know, they sit and, and they understand the industry and they know where to place content, but they don't necessarily create the content themselves that will get subbed out. And, and then they, they don't necessarily understand the communities that, that this content's been distributed to. Whereas that's the opposite to us. We, you know, we've had to learn agency world. It wasn't till about nine months ago that we had any experience of anybody that had worked in the media agency before. And I think that's unique, but I actually think it's the reason that we have been able to grow our communities in the way we have and sort of disrupt the industry um, like Electric House is now as well. And, and everything is focused on community and everything is focused on social. We live every single day on social media and have done for the past five and a half years. And, and there's not many agencies that can say they've done that. And, you know, we position Electric House as a publishing group because, because we are a publisher, but we've got agency services and it's, you know, we think that we're, we're slightly different to agencies. And I think because of that now, because of the skill set we've built through the business and because we can grow communities, we now, we're now starting to build out more of our client base along services that sort of sit in house with their brands rather than it just being about distribution. So often what's happening is, is we'll be managing brands, social media, and creating content for their pages and their community across social. And they're nothing to do with construction or, or on a budget or anything like that. But it's just because we know that we've got the skill set to understand communities, build on that, use data to understand what those communities need and want, and, and then grow, uh, grow both views and engagement from that basis. And I completely agree with your views on not just being the middleman. I've seen quite a lot of agency websites through the podcast, and some of them have a fantastic portfolio but the websites and social channels are pretty crap sometimes, to be honest. So when I started checking out the Electric House site and social feeds, I was pretty blown away by um, the level of quality and effort that you've put into your own branding. One thing that I love that you are doing is the Daily Bolt, which I mentioned on last week's episode too. It's basically a daily vlog that features different members of your team talking about insights and trending topics. But what it also does is showcases your personality and the personality of the company too. And after watching a few too many episodes, I felt like I knew your team and what you stood for and sort of your vibe and things like that. So down the line, that's only going to help when you have potential brands and customers that are considering working with you and trying to find out a little bit more about who you are. You know, we really very early on concentrated on the fact that we wanted to create content in-house, which I think is then because we knew we had the communities and we, we, we couldn't switch that off. You know, we had to create content for them every day. And, and then as the business grew, we had more ideas about what type of content we'd want to create. So, and then we were like, well, also we're going to be getting briefs from clients that, you know, why should we, why subcontract that out to a production company when we can effectively build a production company within the business. And I think that's what's really helped us and I guess, kept us on this mission of, of consistently creating content, no matter whether that's for on the tools or on a budget or, or for Electric House. You know, we took the same, when we created Electric House, we took the same notion of that of being like, okay, well, we need to build a community, a community of people that, that love Electric House, that love what we do or that want insight or that, you know, or even that just want to be part of it and that want to want to work with us and, and become part of the business. And I think by doing that, no matter how we look at things and whenever we start communities or another business model or a revenue model or or anything like that it's always focused around well what's the community element of it what you know who we who we trying to market to yeah i agree and and if you do want a visual representation of that then just search for electric house on facebook and you'll get a good picture of how that content is adding value so let's finish the main section with one final question do you have any quick fire tips for businesses that are looking to build their brand presence and community on socials 
I guess it depends what type of brand you are. If, if you're B2B, then absolutely you've got to be focusing on LinkedIn. When we started Electric House, we'd not really delved into LinkedIn as much as we maybe should have as, as personal brand, but certainly as a business on the tools on, on LinkedIn wasn't really pushing forward with anything. And we said, look, you've got to look at what's the point of Electric House and who we're trying to reach. You know, yes, we're going to push, push stuff through Facebook and Instagram, et cetera. But you really have to be platform specific. I think nowadays, there's, I think years ago, you could just get away with, you know, being on YouTube and being on Twitter, really, I guess. And, and then as Facebook started to be more prevalent with video, then it was like, okay, we need to do that. And then IGTV came out for Instagram. And we're like, oh, okay, now you've got TikTok. Now you've got LinkedIn with video. But not everyone's on every platform. And if they are, then they're not engaging with it in the same way as they would on others, you know. So I think the biggest advice I, I would say, I guess, when if a, if a brand is trying to um, launch a product or service is, is firstly outline where these people are because it's hard to do like omni-channel through social, like really hard. And I think unless you've got big budgets, you need to focus on, on where people are to start with. And after that, and once that starts growing, then you can start looking at how you then, I guess, transfer that audience and, and migrate that audience to different platforms based on what, you know, where your sort of core following is at on the tools, core following grew on Facebook, you know, and then we, we optimize that to then start growing on other platforms. We didn't try and grow on all of them all at the same time at the same speed. So yeah, that's a really cool answer to finish this section with. We're going to wrap up the episode with the usual fun questions. So stay tuned. So if you've listened to any episodes before, then you'll know what's coming. So Lee, do you have any fun or memorable stories from the start of your career that you could share with us? I've had a funny career because I've had so many jobs. And I, I think when I think back to my career, I, I, don't, I don't really feel like I've had one. I feel like I've bounced around a lot and I've failed at a ridiculous amount of things to then get to a point where I feel really happy and fulfilled. And, and I've tried to start loads of different careers and different things and and uh, and i've tried to start loads of different businesses i guess the most memorable and the one i get absolutely ripped for by a load of mates and people in the business is i don't know if i was going through like a midlife crisis or because well at the same time but i am um, i came with this idea about I'd, I'd seen this thing called nordic walking and i was like this is good people are getting into fitness and i could do this on the side of i was currently working full time so i could do this on the side so i paid I mean, even saying it out loud now, I, mean, <laughs> I paid for a course for someone and I went down to Richmond Park for the weekend, stayed with my granddad who lived, who lived in London at the time. And I paid, I think it was about three or 400 quid to go on this Nordic walking course. Um, Nordic walking, just for anyone who's listening, is basically like, you know, um, you get people who, who are like hiking and they've got like a, a walking pole. It's sort of two of those. They're slightly longer and it's meant to be like a full body workout when you, um, when you do it right. So there's me and probably another seven or eight people walking around Richmond Park. Um, they're all a lot older than me. I'm definitely the youngest person there by a country mile. And um, we're just sort of walking around in circles. Definitely got heckled a few times. And at the end of it, I came away being like, right, I'm trained up now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back and I'm going to start my local course. And I got all the gear uh, you know, I'd spent a decent amount of money on it. And then I, where I lived at the time, I lived by um, in like a village called Swadlinker. I had loads of fields and stuff. And I picked them up where I was going to do it. And I think I went out one night to go, sort of go on a walk. And I was walking around and I just stood there and thought, what are you doing? Like, this has got to be one of the worst business ideas you've ever had. I'd got someone to design a logo for me called Walk the Nordic Way. And it was like a man within the letters walking over a hill. <laughs> I remember it now. It's like green, green logo. 
and I, I packed the stuff up and I never wore it again. Although I have, I've still got the walking boots that I, that I use. And every time, I kid you not, every time I put them on, I'm, I laugh and go, these are my Nordic walking boots. I guess the moral of the story is, is you just got to like fail a boatload of times to get anywhere <laughs> that is remotely near something that, um, that might work. Um, I've got loads more of those loads, but that's probably the worst idea I've had. Well, it's a good job I was on mute there because I was laughing all the way through um, for good reason, of course. So I'm sure that you put a smile on everyone's face who is listening um, with the answer. And if they want any more information on Nordic walking, then I will send them your way. And I have no idea how we're going to go from that answer to a serious question, but we'll try. So to finish off, do you have a favorite resource that is your go to for social media or business news? Yeah, mine is the uh, Social Media Geek Out which is a group on Facebook owned by uh, Matt Navarra. You know, he's uh, like a, a sort of social media expert, but I, I quite like being in there. Uh, yeah, he's, he's got some good, some good resources, tends to drop in news and stuff. Uh, yeah, so I like that. And I also really like Campaign. I'm on their email newsletter and, and website and stuff. that They've just industry news-wise, media, brilliant. Awesome. So two great resources there. Let's wrap up the episode right here. Thanks for being a great guest, Lee. I've had a lot of fun chatting with both yourself and Abby in this Electric House series. And hopefully I can uh, use this as inspiration to come out with some more cool episodes in the future. Thanks for having me on, Lee. Really appreciate it, mate. Cheers. So yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll be back with more next week.